Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett. You are listening to the Halacha Kabbalah Machshava podcast, where we explore halacha from the Shulchan Aruch, specific halachos, and then dig underneath to figure out what are the underlying mechanics, the Kabbalah mechanics, the Machshava mechanics, how these halachos are supposed to work, so we can get past the perspective of just, these are a list of things we need to do, and instead get to an understanding of what they do, what they're for, how they work, how they integrate into a larger system of thought and understanding. And the goal of that, of course, is that we should uh, experience the halacha that we're doing in its power and what it actually is able to do for us and how it transforms our lives. So if you like this type of content, if you've been enjoying this series, please check out yesodblocks.com. We have a lot more going on there. The actual thought system itself is articulated there and is being currently expanded even more all the time. Uh, We have a lot of different series going on there and new stuff being added every week. And we are uh, in the process of trying to lay out the entire framework as much as possible uh, all in one platform. So that's the Sodeblocks community. Please check that out if you're enjoying this. And also on iTunes and the Amazon uh, platform, we have an album for sale that is using the same Torah system framework uh, to grapple with and, and battle with the dark side of the internet, the world of pornography, how to actually... Um, properly perceive, understand, relate to, and respond to that particular issue, that struggle, which is a very, very widespread issue. And uh, we're, it's our hope that that particular album will be very powerfully effective in helping people who are struggling with this and grappling and want a way to deal with it that is more effective than just being told this is wrong or just uh, kind of giving up. So that's also, again, on iTunes and on Amazon. It's called Tikkun HaYesod. And uh, you can search Tikkun HaYesod or you can search Zev Bannett. Uh, either way, it'll come up on iTunes or on Amazon. Or if you subscribe to Yesodblocks.com, uh, it's also on the platform over there. In this particular episode, we're going to continue in the Shulchan Aruch. Uh, the previous episode, we spoke about shoes, which is, uh, like I mentioned, a particularly uh, famous halacha that is often asked about and discussed. Does Hashem really care how I put my shoes on? Um, and here we're going to actually go to the, a couple of si'ifim later in the Shulchan Aruch, which is another pretty famous halacha, actually, things that I think uh, everyone in the world knows about this one, even more than the shoe example, and that is found in Se'if Vav. We're in Siman Bet now, Se'if Vav, Siman Bet, Se'if Vav. And here what it says is, Asr Lelech Bekomaz Gufa, a person is not allowed to walk in a very arrogantly straight way, like kind of like, you know, with your head held high and you're the boss of the world. Not supposed to walk that way. You should not walk four amot, four amos, which is you know about know, eight feet, ten, uh, something, uh, five feet. Begilui harosh with your head uncovered. Uh, and why is that? Because you're supposed to have honor for the shechina, for the divine presence. And so you're not supposed to walk around in a very arrogant type of way. And which again, he articulates that as komaz kufa, which means a straight back. That you're very, uh, you're you're very upright in a very intense way. Not just upright, like obviously we all walk upright. So the intent here is not that you can't walk upright, but you should not be so arrogant in your demeanor and your straight backness. You know, there's a there's a concept in a lot of literature of people who are, if they're very arrogant, it means they they might walk with their chin up in the air. They kind of have their chin up. That's a very uh, uh that, that's essentially an, an encapsulation of this this particular concept that if you walk in a very straight way where you're kind of just very uh standing very tall it's like an arrogant type of air type of aura around you and then the next part is that you should not walk with your head uncovered and so we're going to zoom in on the head uncovered example because that's really the 
famous halacha that I was referring to, and we're going to tie that in a little bit to the straight back to walking also at, towards the end. Um, but the, the the reason I mentioned this is a famous halacha is because uh, the Jewish people in the world are known for wearing kippahs, yarmulkes, whatever word you want to use for it. Um, it's basically a head covering. And uh, so we're going to just try to dig into what exactly that is and what it's for. And it ends up being, I think, a little bit more complex. And it makes sense because as soon as the Shulchan Aruch tells you that the reason is because of kavod hashchina, that should be a red flag for you. Kavod hashchina meaning the divine presence. Well, of course, if we're doing a Machshava Kabbalah Halacha podcast here, we need to figure out what exactly does that mean, the kavod hashchina. We actually talked about kavod hashchina uh, in an earlier episode a little bit um, from the word kavod meaning the impact of the presence like when you walk into a room and you, so everybody notices you, you have a presence, you have an impact. And the word impact comes from the word kaved, which means something which is heavy. So kavod, which is the word for honor, and the word kaved is actually the same concept. Um, the word kaved means heavy, the word kavod means honor. It's because when a person walks into a room, so we all have a sense of a, the person's presence. You have this, this uh, intangible presence that is you that shines through when you walk into a room, and everyone has that. So that's, you know, already we begin to see the, the bridge to kind of like an intangible aspect of existence here that we're going to have to try to discuss. Kavod uh, here in this particular case is the term that's used. So we're going to delve into that in one second. Before we do that, I just want to point out this is the first halacha that we've dealt with that is seemingly very gender specific. In other words, this halacha applies to men. Uh, Jewish men and Jewish boys are supposed to cover their head on a regular basis, and some people might say, "Well, why should we only why, like not maybe maybe why or should we be talking about halachos that are only relevant for certain people in the population?" And the answer to that question is there's a few pieces to that to that answer, um, but I, I want to just stress a couple of things. This happens to be the kind of question that I get asked a lot nowadays. It's a popular question because it basically seems to have this assumption that. Well, any halacha that, that uh, differentiates between male and female or focuses more on male or more on female is inherently sexist or something like that. Uh, and that, I think, is a very much a product of today's time period. There's a very intense sensitivity towards focusing on anything which could be perceived as somehow unfair to, some, to one particular group of people based on some difference such as their gender. And so in this particular example, um, I'll say two things. Number one... Uh, or three things even. The first thing is that the halacha does not really pay much attention to various trends in cultural thought. In other words, it has a very pure approach. It basically is, well, what does the Gemara say? What does the Torah say? What, is the, what do the Rishonim say? And the Beis Yosef, when he wrote the Shulchan Aruch, was compiling all of that to actually assess what is the halacha. The halacha is unchanging. And we're going to see in a little bit what exactly the underlying principle of this halacha is that is so unchanging. It's a bedrock truth that is always true, no matter what particularly popular cultural trends there are about how to perceive gender relationships. Uh, which seems to be a very central thing nowadays. Um, so the first thing to say is that that is not something which the halacha takes into account, and we are, and so you know we can take it into account if we want in this podcast. But that's going to go to point number two, which is uh, if you are a person in the world. So if you have a female body, then at some point you will either be in a relationship with somebody who has a male body, or you will have children who have male bodies, and that will be relevant. Uh, as somebody who is in a relationship with people like that to have this type of knowledge. And that that's something which you can then give over or teach or discuss as an intelligent, knowledgeable person with somebody who actually does wear a head covering. Uh, the third thing is that Torah principles as a rule, uh, we learn all of them. In other words, even though I'm not a Kohen, 
and I'm not a woman or whatever. I learn halacha that applies to kohanim, that applies to women, that applies to anyone and anything. I try to learn all of halacha and also all of the Gemara and all of the Torah concepts that exist because these concepts, they are, it's not, it's not just about whether they practically apply to you. The underlying principles, mechanics, and ideas that are there are universally true and are thus valuable intrinsically as giving us insight into how the universe works. They also, like I just mentioned, act as a bridge between different kinds of people. If I want to talk to a Kohen and I know a lot of halachos that apply to a Kohen or to a woman, so now I am equipped with knowledge and information that is true and useful and deep and profound that I can use as a bridge point between me and uh, people who are different from myself. And so that is, uh, that, that's the same, essentially the, you know, the, the third reason why it is irrelevant what particular reproductive organs you have in your body, whether you should be learning uh, these ideas. And the fourth reason is unique to this particular halacha, which we'll see the universal principle of this halacha uh, right now and understand exactly what it's saying. So why exactly do we cover our heads? What exactly does covering your head really mean? Now here, uh, it, it mentions because of the covet of the Shekhinah, and the Gemara actually has a language it's that something along the lines of, you should, you should remember, and we have this in Pirkei Avot also, you should remember who is above you. And there is this language of, well, Hashem is above us, and so we should actually, oh, actually, I want to mention a, one additional detail about the, uh, the male-female component, which is that there are actually opinions that women are supposed to cover their hair even when they're single. We know that women do cover their heads when they are married uh, in halacha, and there's even an opinion in the Rishonim that says that they should cover their hair and their heads when they are still single. And so it's not even such a clearly defined or delineated halacha along the lines of gender at all. Um, but uh, and, th and that is because the underlying principle applies, although the reason why women cover their hair and their heads when they are married is slightly more com more complex than just this particular reason, but uh, it is still related. But let's go back to what we're saying. Okay, so the question here is, uh, the idea here is that if Hashem, Hashem is above us in some form, and we wear a head covering to remember that Hashem is above us. That, that's a language that's used in the Gemara and in Pirkei Avot and other places as well. And so then we have to ask this question, well, what does that mean that Hashem is above us? Because we've already discussed, like in previous episodes, that Hashem's presence is this intangible presence that that is pervasive in all of reality. And so, what exactly? So, why, why do we talk about Hashem as above us? Now, the funny thing is, there's actually three different ways that I can think of off the top of my head that people talk about where Hashem is. So, the one that we just mentioned, Hashem is above us. God is in the sky. People will say, or God is up there. You know, He's watching down from above, looking down from above. Another uh, option people say is that Hashem is actually within us, and Hashem is the uh, the the spirit that animates us, which is uh, a very Kabbalistic way of talking about Hashem. Um, Hashem is the root of our consciousness; He is the source of ourself, and so that is another way to pe that people talk about Hashem. And then there's a third way, which is Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere, which is this idea that Hashem is pervasive, a pervasive presence, which is the the concept I mentioned a minute ago. And so here we have these three different ways people tend to talk about Hashem. In fact, when I was young, I was confused by the Hashem is here, there, and everywhere song because I thought Hashem was in the sky because everyone always talks about how Hashem is Bashamayim. And so the question here is, well, what is the what is the uh, integration of these three different ideas of where Hashem is? So let's just understand here. These are all analogies to describe dynamics of relationship between Hashem and existence that we experience. From Hashem's perspective, so the way we talk, talk about this in, in, in Torah principles land, is that Hashem is manifest as all of reality simultaneously throughout all of space and all of time all at once. So there is nowhere that is not in Hashem's mind. There is nothing that is outside of Hashem. 
And so that would seem to be like the Hashem is here, there, and everywhere perspective. And yet we also talk about Hashem as within us because it has utility in terms of our experience of ourselves in the process of existence that we are in. In other words, you are in a process of becoming, and therefore it's valuable to access an analogy or an analogy of dynamics as to Hashem being the root of your consciousness and the root of yourself. So we talk about Hashem being within us, it's because it gives us utility to now begin to experience ourselves more contextually. We understand where we belong in existence when we understand that our root self, the source of our very sense of ourselves as someone, is rooted in Hashem's larger self. So that's why that particular approach has utility and value for us in our own self-image, our own self-contextualizing that we constantly engage in. I mean, we're always trying to understand who we are and where we fit. And so having that as kind of like a an analogy that we can access to do that for us or to help us with that is incredibly useful and it's true. In other words, if Hashem is the totality of all being, then that includes us. You know, it's it's one thing to talk about Hashem as being the manifestation of a tree or, you know, a blade of grass, which the Gemara also talks about, but to actually understand that the very experience of yourself as someone, that in itself is rooted in some kind of profound ocean of consciousness self that is underneath all being. So that's obviously much more personally relevant than a blade of grass somehow being an expression of Hashem's will, although that is also a fascinating uh, phenomenon on its own. So that's the within uh, analogy. And now let's just look at the above one, which is really the one that we need to focus in to understand what the head covering concept is all about. So Hashem is above us. Well, obviously we know that Hashem is not literally above us, right? I mean, think about that just rationally for a second. Um, if you live in America, well, you know that what's above you is actually below people in Australia, right? Like uh, people on opposite sides of this very round globe that we live on. So automatically what's above one is actually below the other. And uh, that's an automatic technical problem. Um, so what exactly does it mean that Hashem is above us? It's not literally, you know, the, this idea of, of position in terms of being positionally above me in the sky. Although if you talk about the sky, we could say that the sky is above everyone. So that, and which would be a, a fair response, but still kind of ignores the fact that what is above one is below the other. And the sky itself is kind of this weird illusion that only derives from, you know, the impact of rays of light against the atmosphere. So what does it mean that Hashem is above us? Well, the idea of above in Torah concept, Torah literature, is actually this idea of having broader perspective. In other words, the higher you are, the more you can see, right? Think about that. That makes sense. The higher you are, the more you can see. That's actually literally true in the physical world as well, at least on the planet Earth. So what we're saying here is that the higher that you are, the higher that Hashem is, since Hashem is above us, he sees more broadly than we do. Now let's just access that a little more fully. What exactly does that really mean? Because sometimes people interpret that as almost insulting. It's like, oh, well, God knows all. He's, you know, you should just trust him because he just knows everything and like you don't really see the whole picture, which is probably a true statement. Uh, actually, it is a true statement, but it's also something which can end up being somewhat demeaning to your own awareness and your own perspective. And so the, the concept here is that when we talk about Hashem seeing more, well, we, ha you can think of it as like, we have like a certain amount of awareness, certain amount of understanding, and then we are on this journey, and that's really uh, embodied in the story of uh, Parshas Vayetze, when Yaakov sees, has this dream of the ladder, uh, and you can see the Orachayim there talks about how the ladder essentially is the ladder of, of us, it's the ladder of our, of our journey of life, which is, we are on a constant in a constant process of evolving where we actually become more and more and more self-aware and essentially more and more and more uh, absorbingly aware of existence's truth, the truth of, ex of how existence actually functions. And so if we were to describe um, that, that process or that knowledge 
using, let's say, an analogy of light. So let's say the, the more light you're able to pull into your mind, the more you can see, the more understanding you are, the more self-aware you are, the more awake you are. So imagine that there's just like, you know, there's a light that you've already managed to absorb that allows you to be aware of the level that you're at. And then there's all this, all this other light that's like up there above your head, surrounding your head. And it's what's called in Kabbalah the Or Makif. It's the surrounding light. And basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to absorb more and more of it over time. We call that learning, by the way. And so the more of that light you can absorb, the more aware you become and the more awake you become and the more truth aligned you become and the more activated and aligned with reality you become. And so in Kabbalah terms, the Or Makif is above your head. It goes all the way up. It's like this endless rope of light that kind of just is attached to your head. And what you're doing is you're basically... Uh, pulling it into your mind or you're climbing it, whatever imagery you want to use, uh, both of which are used in our in, our, in Torah literature. So you're basically trying to um, uh, bring in more of that awareness and more of that light which is above you. And so that's the process and the journey that we are all on. We all don't know, none of us know everything. We're all trying to become more knowledgeable and more understanding. And the Torah basically maps out, well, here is the array of knowledge, which is this almost really infinite um, you know, ladder of truth and information and light of that of that awareness. And so we're basically just trying to constantly climb that and pull more of that into ourselves. And so when we talk about Hashem being above us, so it's always used in in in, in Chazal's language, in Torah language, as representing Hashem's Hashem's totality of that light. Hashem is the endless light. He is the source of endless light, the source of endless knowledge. And then we are basically on this journey. We are, the, we are the partial lights. We are the small lights to Hashem's big light. We are the partial knowers to Hashem's total knowing. And we are the, the aspect of Hashem's self that is evolving to become more and more and more divinely awake. And so we are divine beings that are essentially fragments, uh, you know, uh, pieces of our total selves. And we're trying to become more and more and more fully uh, awake as who we really are. And so Hashem is the is the side of existence that is already totally and, and absolutely fully aware, fully awake, and we are the side of existence that is the journey to become. He is he is the statically full, and we are the becoming increasingly full. And so when you think about that, so what that kind of does is it tells you the nature of what your life is about, and then it t tells you the trajectory that you're like, that to sort of realize, well, there's so much more for me to become. I have so much more to evolve and to develop. And so, it, and, and as opposed to looking at that in an egotistical way, where it's you versus Hashem, and Hashem is kind of like, well, he just knows everything and we just don't know anything. Instead, it becomes, well, Hashem is the totality of being, and I am a subcategory, I'm a microcosm of that, and I am becoming, my, my, my existence here is about becoming increasingly absorbing of all of that knowledge, all of that light. That's that's who I am, and that's what my place here is. That's literally the nature of a human being. That's why, we, that's why we gain so much joy from process and from progress. We love the journey. We love to become more and more. And and, and we, when we find something which is truly uh, valuable to become, then we, we go after it, you know, all, all hands on deck. We just go after it. And so that is what the head covering is supposed to signify. In other words, when we say here that you're supposed to cover your head so that you know that Hashem is above you, and so you so you have a, a sense of the kavod of the Shekhinah, of the presence of Hashem, the, the impact of that, so that to feel Hashem's presence, well, it doesn't mean in a way that is that is um, like crushing of you. It's that you should be aware of the totality of that light that's above you, so that way you can basically not get caught up in the amount of light you already absorb, because the risk with learning something, every time you learn something new, 
you have this feeling of satiation, like, yeah, now I got that. So now I understand that. And so now I, I, got, I got there. I've arrived. You know, I made it. Um, because now you learn that you learn something new. You feel that the journey in a certain way has ended. We enjoy feeling like we got there. But then the problem is that there's always the next step in the journey. And this is a very tricky thing. And that when, when we when we sit inside of our own thoughts, we sit inside of our own ideas that we have, and then we we don't constantly have this awareness that there is more outside of our outside of our head. I really feel like I get it, you know, I got it. So now I, I like, and you just kind of, you kind of stagnate in there and you kind of bounce around from thought to thought in, in, a, in a constant review of the same thoughts you've always had instead of breaking that, instead of trying to find new thoughts that you've never thought before or to explore thoughts that you're scared of or thoughts that, that you know, are, are forbidden to try to actually break the stagnancy, the, the crystallizing of your mind into some into some kind of like a more rigid, habituated way of thinking, the das tovara type of thought, where you basically get so comfortable in the ways that you think that you're, and you, uh, from a preferential place, you're just, you like your thoughts. These are comfortable thoughts. And so since you like them, so why should I go find other thoughts? But if you don't keep finding new thoughts, you don't keep looking for deeper understandings, for broader things, if you can't explore your assumptions about existence, about other people, about certain people, about certain groups of people, if you cannot explore those assumptions, and uh, then you're basically stagnating inside of the light in your mind that you already have, and you've lost the awareness that there is more light beyond you, that, that there's a larger presence that has much more information that you are not accessing now because of your stagnation. That is literally, that that, that is the purpose of covering your head, as it says here. And it's also the same idea as not walking in an arrogantly straight type of way, because when you walk in that way, you're basically conveying to yourself a self-validating perspective, um, which says, well, I got it all. I'm already there. I, things I have are it's an, it's enough. I don't need more than what I have. That is an inherently false position, which is also very destabilizing on the existential level, because when you think that you have it all, and reality is is not like that. Nobody has it all in that sense. Then you will essentially be plugging yourself into a falsehood that will now undermine your own sense of stability and, and detach you from Hashem, the root of of reality. And so. That is why we cover our heads, and that's also why we're, we're that's that's the whole idea of humility. I just want to stress here, humility in Torah language does not mean to say, I know nothing and I am nothing. That's why I'm, I'm trying to paint out the mechanics here, the mechanics of the light analogies, uh, the light that is within you versus the light that is beyond you, the or pnimi versus the or makif. So that balance is, is, the, is the key to humility. Humility does not mean I have nothing within me, I am nothing. It means I have or pnimi, I have some things I've already absorbed, and you can be very... Uh, aware of, and you should know what you know. You should be very aware of where you are at and what your level of expertise is, and you should be, you should own that and be confident in that. But you should have that confidence should be mixed with the awareness that I'm confident about what I know, that this is what I what, what I know and how I know it, and now I'm looking to know more. And that knowing more is the or makif component, which is the humility, the, the side of saying I don't know, and and there are things that I there are things that I don't know, and there's more that I want to know. And there's always more to find and to explore. And so you can you, you're supposed to hybridize those two things, and to have this almost like a paradoxical um, oscillation between the two of them, where some you have to some you have to be both knowing and unknowing, and you have to live that balance exactly and if you don't live it exactly then you get into you run into problems if you go too much into what you know you can become very arrogant like we said here if you if you go too much into what you don't know then you can become uh, inactive you can become 
uh, impotent, unable to actually make things happen or say things or articulate things because you have you're not really owning that which you already do know, and that is the balance that is that is articulated here. That we're supposed to walk and we're supposed to be upright, but not so straight. We're supposed to walk and and know and do things, but cover our heads to remember that there is more beyond us uh, above that which we already know. And that is the balance of this. That is why we cover our heads in Torah, and that is true uh, for uh, again even even if you are a if you're a woman. Um, to share this with your children, with your sons, so that they can understand these things, and with your husband, uh, and you know, and, and, and any other male person in your life, and and if you are a man, to understand this, and also to share it with your own sons and with your own male friends. This type of knowledge takes a, a custom that is very prevalent in the Jewish world, uh, from just being kind of like this random thing that we just all do, and really brings it to life to help us understand where it fits and how it actually can really, if, if you really live this, you can actually walk around constantly juggling and balancing these very deep perspectives to become more and more and more uh, confident in yourself, but also more and more humble in terms of that which you do not yet know. Okay, hope you enjoyed that. And again, check out yoursoulblocks.com. Thanks so much for joining me and for listening. And if you like this, please leave a positive review on the podcast uh, apps there. And looking forward to having you join me for the next episode.